0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and the peasants are revolting. As we explain in this latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter on the science and policy of global warming, from the Netherlands to Poland, Italy, and Germany, and more dangerously in Sri Lanka, where mobs invaded the presidential palace and forced the occupant to step down, there's dramatic popular pushback against poverty-inducing climate policy. The Netherlands has a tradition of good government and consequent political legitimacy that goes back to the end of the long, painful struggle to expel imperial Spain back in 1648. But even there, things are getting unruly, with massive protests, particularly by farmers, over plans to cut nitrogen emissions in the name of climate. It's so bad that police have even fired on protesters, though mercifully only a tractor got hit. And not even those who denounced the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa can really claim that the people involved are a small, fringe minority. Well, with Sir Mick Jagger apparently backing them. But what else can they say? It's become painfully clear that in the Netherlands, as in many other places, governments have broken their compact with the people by forcing on them a dramatic lowering of their standard of living to which the public did not consent. The latest they need inspiration in the Netherlands is to devastate that nation's hugely successful, modern, and efficient agricultural sector by requiring as much as a 70% cut in fertilizer use and livestock numbers in some areas. Just like that, in a few years. Pity about the food you peasants used to enjoy, but we aristocrats know better. Even The Guardian reports that, quote, Europe is in danger of highly damaging, very, very strong conflict and strife this winter over high energy prices, and should make a... Short term return to fossil fuels to head off the threat of civil unrest, the vice president of the European Commission has warned. End quote. The fact that the VP, Franz Timmermans, is as Dutch as his name suggests might have helped focus his mind. But whatever it took, it was both necessary and urgent, and others need to do it as well. In our view, the same phenomenon explains the sudden implosion of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. It puzzled some people that it took so long for his scandalous conduct to catch up with him, and it puzzled others that it finally did so after he'd laughed off issue after issue, only to succumb to something that was pretty minor by his standards. But we say for many years, Bojo got away with things because, despite his privileged background, he really was a man of the people in good ways and some that weren't so good. But then, when he ditched freedom and common sense for his new green obsession, he became toxic to voters and thus to his colleagues. The Boris of Brexit and deregulation might well have ridden even this one out. The Boris of the Green New Deal didn't stand a chance. Meanwhile in Canada, Ottawa has a plan, which is never good news. But in this case, Ottawa isn't journalists for the federal government. We're talking about the municipality. And you should pay attention because if you live in a city, almost regardless of where it is, then somewhere in the bureaucratic equivalent of the underground sewer and wiring system, you'll find the equivalent of Ottawa's climate change master plan. And it almost certainly entails very large expenditures, in Calgary, $87 billion, based on very dubious assumptions, including, yep, there it is again, our old friend RCP 8.5, the exploded emission scenario. Faced with all this nonsense, including corporations getting climate, religion, or pretending to, someone recently tweeted that actually the craze for environmental, social, and corporate governance, or ESG, offers a backhanded investment tool, quote, somebody should start a hedge fund that goes long, anything with low ESG, and short everything with high ESG, end quote. To which we must respond, A, we're not giving investment advice, B, that fund sounds like a good idea to us, and C, someone already did, it's called a stock market. For centuries, in classic, chaotic, free society fashion, with many odd and even foolish events along the way, we've been separating the entrepreneurial sheep from the goats by giving money to things that work and withholding it from things that don't. Governments can delay the process, with consequences ranging from bad to disastrous. But sooner or later, money finds its way to companies that satisfy customers, including those with a sense of social responsibility, and flees those that do not. We're talking about the money people spend, but also the money they invest. So if Go Woke, Go Broke is a sound slogan, and the fact that Sri Lanka has a nearly perfect ESG score, along with hyperinflation, poverty, crop failure, fuel shortages, and food riots suggests that it is, the visible foot will remove those companies that don't heed the warning signs. The market can be ignored, it can be contradicted, but over time it will not be denied. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, it's still you, and we want to thank all the people who've responded to our appeals by making a one-time or monthly pledge. For the rest of you, I really want to emphasize for us to produce the videos, for us to produce the newsletters, and keep injecting sanity into the climate debate, what we need is for one in six of our YouTube subscribers to click here and make a pledge of $2 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month. That's what it's going to take to sustain our efforts for as long as they're needed. So click here, cup of coffee a month, that'll keep us in business. And now, back to me. Indeed, as we noted on May 25th of this year, someone already has created a significant investment fund devoted to performance, not virtue signaling, Vivek Swami's Strive Asset Management. So yes, someone should create that fund, someone has, and there's a lot more where it came from. Meanwhile, if you're concerned about sudden climate change, you really should check out this episode it was dramatic, you might even say it was unprecedented, and temperatures changed far more rapidly than the ecosystem could adapt to, in mere decades. So it can only mean one thing. But not what you might think, since the subject here is the younger driest some 12,000 years ago. And Don J. Easterbrook explains that the temperature, after dropping suddenly, apparently rose by about 10 degrees Celsius in 40 to 50 years. Try telling that to the next alarmist who claims 1.5 degrees in 150 can't be natural. Now, the younger Dryas is odd because, well, for starters, it has a weird name, so let's tackle that. This strange episode about 5,000 years after the last glaciation began to end, when the temperature suddenly dropped by about five degrees centigrade, then shot up, is named for an arctic flower, Dryas octopella, because the pollen studies that revealed its existence saw this plant flourishing as things got colder. And it is boringly younger than the older Dryas, an earlier and less sustained sudden cooling about 14,000 years ago. And the Younger Dryas is also odd in that there's strong evidence that it was worldwide and it was far too rapid to be covered by the usual Milankovitch cycle explanation for the start and end of glaciations. Also, Easterbrook says, the once popular theory that it was caused when accumulated glacial meltwater in primordial Lake Agassiz burst an ice barrier, whooshed down what would become the St. Lawrence into the North Atlantic and shut down the deep water currents there, bringing back glacial conditions temporarily, is untenable because if it were so, then the cooling would have started in the North Atlantic, then spread with a measurable lag, hundreds of years, especially in the Southern Hemisphere. Instead, it was globally synchronous, and it's not the only such Dansgaard-Orsher event in this period. Now, if you're waiting for Easterbrook's Grand Cosmic Explanation, he hasn't got one but he has demolished one that CO2 is the control knob on the global thermostat. Now, speaking of grand cosmic things, if you like them, look away. In the heyday of newspapers, there were stereotypical headlines notorious among journalists for their capacity to repel readers, including Worthwhile Canadian Initiative, though Justin Trudeau's PR people clearly don't know that one. But now online media has a late and masterful entry, Egypt's climate plan lands The actual story might more properly have been called Egypt's climate plan crash lands because Climate Home News reports, with four months to go until Egypt hosts the next UN climate talks, Cairo has updated its national contribution to the global effort. Its previous climate submission was evasive. So they think this one's an improvement, but it still allows emissions to rise, blaming economic woes for hindering ambition. And here we thought that cutting emissions was meant to be the path to prosperity. Though what we didn't think that it would matter if Egypt did cut emissions, since its economic difficulties mean it currently barely manages to generate 0.6% of the human global total, nor did we think it would manage to cut emissions because Egypt's government is incompetent even by government standards. So, if you're reduced to waiting for Egypt's climate plan, maybe just fold your tent. Now, to return to the Netherlands, the economically and politically disastrous plan to slash use of nitrogen farms could hardly have come at a worse time conceptually either, since a new study by Dutch computer scientists shows that while the Netherlands has warmed, drum roll please, much faster than the global average, it's all due to a change in wind patterns that drew more warm air over the country in recent decades. After taking account of this effect, and yes, changes in solar activity, they found that, quote, CO2 does not seem to play a role, end quote. Being good scientists, they checked this unexpected result by revising their model to try to give CO2 an impact and, to their amazement, doing so made it less accurate. As for ourselves, being good scientists, we checked the claim of surging seas and looming doom by taking another virtual trip in our CDN by the Sea tour to St. John's Newfoundland. We've been to St. John's digitally before during our climate emergency tour in October 2019 and in our 1919 or 2019 series. And it's a good thing we went back, because we found that at current rate, sea levels will have risen a meter in just 411 years. Head for Signal Hill! Finally, from CO2Science.org, we get another look at the vexed question of whether there's even been an increase in extreme weather that climate change might hypothetically have caused. Researchers looked at global surface temperature, cloud cover, and something called the MODIS liquid cloud fraction. And guess what? They say in no case did they find, quote, indications that fluctuations of these parameters have increased with time, end quote. Instead, temperature seems to have become more stable since the 1930s, which they concede, quote, is not at all understood, end quote, and which we say makes it hard to believe that very small increases in temperature could have caused very big increases in heat waves. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I'm cool with that.